0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast, True Crime, The Trafficking Zone. I'm your host, David West. Three young women in a small town in Nebraska will discover that life isn't all apple pie and football games, but instead, they will find themselves taking a detour through the trafficking zone.
1: This program contains graphic images and descriptions of sex and violence. Viewer discretion is advised. What sort of person buys and rapes a six-year-old? Somebody who just
2: almost isn't human. You get up the next morning and maybe you don't feel good and maybe your ribs hurt and it's hard to walk today
1: was it the same guy selling you the entire time
2: no it it didn't take long probably a few months before somebody somebody else kind of took that role over it's really not that hard to buy and sell a human being in the state of nebraska
1: somewhere in nebraska right now there's sex for sale experts believe a lot of the time this isn't prostitution it's someone being trafficked through what's legally defined as force fraud, or coercion. It's an ugly industry whose victims are often children. Here's how sex trafficking happens in Nebraska and what's being done about it.
3: We want people to realize that sex trafficking happens in the state of Nebraska. I operated the Omaha Child Exploitation Task Force from 2010 to 2015, and during my tenure, I came across 250 victims.
1: Victims of all ages, mostly female, sold for sex. It's a subject Brewer knows well from her years as an FBI agent. Now she helps educate and train others about a crime that no longer happens on dimly lit street corners.
3: People aren't walking on the streets and men aren't driving around the the city block in circles looking for someone to buy. Rather, they can just sit in the privacy of their own home with a laptop computer or a cell phone and find a human being for sale.
1: The selling and shopping happens on places like Backpage, a classified advertising website. It requires users to agree to not post trafficking materials, but on separate pages for Omaha, Lincoln, Grand Island, North Platte, and Scotts Bluff, you'll find dozens of ads for escorts every day.
3: Backpage is one of the most widely used websites that we came across while I was working at the FBI. The one good thing about that page is they do turn over over 400 suspected children for sale a month, a month. Pictures that they think, this is a child for sale. And they turn that over to law enforcement.
4: Essentially, the commercial sex market is strong across the state.
1: Krista Price and Terry Clark are showing results of their research. Computer-aided, deep-dive analysis of thousands of backpage listings over several months led to a detailed picture of Nebraska's commercial sex industry. The academic term sex workers refers to all who are part of it, whether it's voluntary prostitution or trafficking.
4: Overall, the state averages about 130 sex workers a day and about 800 a month.
1: That's 800 different people for sale each month in Nebraska. Almost all are female. This heat map shows where it's happening. Big circles representing raw numbers of sex workers aren't surprising for large cities. But look at the circles on smaller towns like Oshkosh, Geneva, and Wayne. And yellow and red spots, these indicate high per capita intensity of sex advertising in places like Valley, Springfield, and St. Paul.
4: Even though there's just the five uh, back page sites in the state, it really spreads out from there to cover the entire state.
1: So if some, if a worker or trafficker, whoever's posting, is name-checking a town, they're basically saying, we've had success there before in our business there model. There has to be a
0: reason they're singling, singling out the town. There's got to be a clientele there, and it wouldn't be one or two people.
1: A closer look at the Omaha area shows hot spots around Council Bluffs casinos and the Old Market with hotels and CenturyLink Center. But look at the third large hotspot, West Omaha. One explanation, there's money in West Omaha, and that's good for the sex business. Other findings reinforce the demand for young girls. The average posted age of a sex worker is about 24, but in reality, it's probably younger. The older the worker, the less they make. About half of sex workers advertised in Nebraska are from here and stay in one location, Another fourth are from here but travel. A fourth come to Nebraska from nearby cities.
4: One group in particular that um, experiences heavy travel are those who are advertised as very young. Young girls are particularly vulnerable to being trafficking victims.
1: And younger sex workers are more likely to work in groups called stables, another indicator the worker isn't selling sex voluntarily. Which gets to the question, how much is voluntary prostitution? How much is trafficking? There's no clear-cut answer, but the online research shows seven out of 10 Nebraska sex workers with some indicator of being trafficked and 15% with multiple indicators.
4: Since Nebraska sees uh, roughly 800 sex workers in a month, this would mean that potentially 120 sex workers a month are high-risk trafficking victims.
1: This research isn't easy. Online ads are often inaccurate and nasty.
4: I'd say about once every couple of months, um, I want to throw my computer against the wall and just be done.
1: But academic research like this is a valuable new tool for Nebraska agencies and law enforcement. Our job is
0: is to not just quantify it, but also talk in terms of, okay, so what are the drivers that lead to the problem? Where is this more likely to exist? It's pockets in the state, and what are the best policy approaches um, and approaches by service providers to deal with the issues.
1: Location, a big part of the trafficking business model.
3: I think our location makes it very opportunistic for those who wish to exploit others on so many levels.
1: The interstate makes it easy for traffickers to keep moving to where there's business. Truck stops, rest areas, and hotels along the way are part of the mix. Strip clubs and massage parlors are another aspect of the business model. Traffickers find customers during big city events like the College World Series, U.S. Olympic swimming trials, even the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. Smaller towns and their events are also opportunities for traffickers.
5: for most of our trafficking victims this is kind of where we're going to start
1: it's the gifts room at sasa crisis center in hastings a place that helps victims of domestic and sexual violence including trafficking the room is packed with donated basics most of us take for granted Um, jamie manzer helped trafficking escapees for several years here they often came with just the clothes on their backs
5: we will give them some version of you know, this care pack, and it's full of donated hygiene products, uh, feminine products, but then always in it um, is an opportunity for a journal um, because that's a huge uh, source of relief. May light and love surround your home and the stars always dance above you.
1: Hmm. Sasa serves mostly rural counties, but they've seen more than a dozen trafficking victims in a year, business sometimes created by county fairs, a motorcycle event, even the state fair in Grand Island.
5: For the state fair, we did have three ladies brought on motorcycle from Daytona Beach, Florida into the community, locked in hotels for multiple days. Um, and then the, the gentleman who'd brought them there, who they thought they knew and thought were acquaintances of theirs, uh, brought multiple men in, blindfolded them, forced them to have sex. So they couldn't even tell me who they'd had sex with, how many times.
3: This guy is the guy from Atlantic City, New Jersey that recruited the young lady out of the mental health facility and brought her to Omaha during the College World Series.
1: Anna Brewer's collection of trafficker photos also includes a Kearney woman who sold her three young children, a woman trafficking out of an Omaha massage parlor, and a young Omaha man, Ramon Heredia. Under the Friday night lights of a suburban football game, Heredia hunted girls for the trafficking operation run by his aunt, and he found them. One 15 years old, one 13. The girls wore electronic monitoring devices showing they'd been in trouble before. They were vulnerable.
3: Ramon had led them to believe that he lived in this great house and that there was no rules at the house and it was a fun place to hang out at.
1: So once the two young girls got to the house, what happened to them?
3: After the night of partying and fun frolicking was over with, as I like to say, that stuff you ate last night wasn't free, and the stuff that you drank last night wasn't free, we own you now.
1: And how long did that go on for them?
3: That went on for a day or two. I know that the older girl um, was forced to engage in two commercial sex acts um, at a minimum.
1: Heredia had the looks, the walk, the talk. i recruited um, the women he spoke with law enforcement before heading to federal prison to serve time for conspiracy to commit sex trafficking.
6: Ramon, how did you recruit the girls? Well, usually started off as I um, would meet a girl through uh, a friend or a family member, whoever it may be, or sometimes I met them just on the street. And I um, would start talking to them just like any other guy would, uh, kind of charm them a little bit. Uh, let them think I'm nice, you know. And then, um, after a couple of weeks, I would, a lot of them came to live with me for whatever reason. Usually it was they didn't have anywhere to stay. Um, and then I would start off by tell, telling them, uh, asking if they were interested in doing like uh, rub downs, as in massages, and raw and panty shows, or, or stripping. And then they would do that for a couple of days and then. Uh, After that, they would uh, become prostitutes. Some of them I knew uh, for a period of time, so I told them, uh, you know, if you love me, you would do this. Uh, Others, I told them, you know, hey, it's easy money to make.
1: In a letter, Heredia told us he was an 18-year-old, quote, sold a dream by his aunt, who's also serving a federal sentence. And Heredia says he's not proud of his actions and knows he hurt a lot of people.
2: We moved here the year that I turned six. So this is that house that we were living in and this is the house next door where this all started at.
1: Six-year-old Rachel had a friend next door. The friend had an older sister. The older sister had a boyfriend. Rachel says the boyfriend raped her. Then he started selling her. Rachel was trafficked for a decade.
2: He used my friend, um, you know, threats against him first of all. You know, if, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, then then I'm gonna hurt him and those kinds of things um, as ammunition basically to rope me in. And then started with threats against my family and other people that I knew. And first it was just random other people coming over to the house next door. And then it was like, well, I think that we can probably do more or get more out of you. So let's go to the house down the street or around the corner or, you know, across town. And it was three, four, sometimes five times a week. He would either come and tell me you know, this this time or this, you know, when this happens, then I'm gonna need you to do this and leave your house. Or he would tell my friend to tell me, you know, this after dinner tonight, pretend you're sick or something along those lines, and then go to bed early and then sneak out. At some point, he kind of fades out and, and just off the face of the radar basically. Um, and then it was just different people to be honest that today it would be this guy and then a couple days later it would be another guy. Like, But you always knew who was in charge and who was going to follow through on whatever threats that they made um, when they came along.
1: Rachel says her house was chaotic, full of siblings, so family didn't notice. The kids were homeschooled. Outsiders didn't see what was happening.
2: A lot of like, my bruises and things like that were in places that you wouldn't see unless you were bathing or something along those lines. More obvious to everybody, I was an emotional wreck. Because I just, you know, you can only, you can only block it in for so long. Drugs and alcohol became part of the picture at a very young age, seven, eight, nine years old. Cocaine, mostly, and alcohol. I mean, not, not a lot in today's terms, but enough to take the edge off and to keep me up and to keep me compliant. And after a while, it got to the point where I was very uncooperative. Um, it sounds so weird to say those kinds of things, but you know, in, in terms of business, like I wasn't profitable anymore um, and basically said, you know, you either need to let me go or you need to do whatever you're gonna do because I'm done, I can't keep doing this anymore.
6: Usually was was uh, a girl that I would see as vulnerable, in my opinion, as in someone that's not really, uh, that didn't come from like a high-class family that would be stuck up or, or had um, everything they need, as you could say, you know? You're
5: looking at vulnerabilities, you're targeted, you're isolated, and it's that whole I call it like a push-me-pull-you kind of thing. It's like, I love you, but I hate you. And you're keeping a person in a constant state of confusion.
1: The vulnerable, runaways, homeless, people dealing with mental health and substance issues, all targets for traffickers. Then it's a matter of control. Some traffickers brand their property. They take away identification and communication, control through movement, isolation, beatings, drugs, and mind games.
3: The person who is exploiting wants to keep that person unstable. They want to keep them disoriented. They want to move them from city to city, state to state, so that the person who's being exploited doesn't know where they are, where they're coming from, where they're going to. If you can control their mind, you can control their body.
1: Nebraska has historically rated fairly low. Low by some measures in how the state fights trafficking, just a few months into Peterson's tenure came the launch of a new statewide task force and strategic plan, more than Nebraska has ever done to fight trafficking, led by someone who helped start a similar effort in the Omaha area.
0: Uh, The three keynotes of this plan are to help victims and survivors to stop human traffickers and to reduce the human trafficking market.
1: A report delivered to state senators about the same time pointed out many of the problems with how Nebraska fights trafficking. Availability of services for victims was called bleak.
4: Currently, a majority of service providers are under-equipped to respond to victims of trafficking and do not have the tools they need to identify victims.
1: We
0: know that some of the most urgent needs are that first shelter that you can find to actually help protect a person who is being victimized. and and get them into services that are much more significant. We also know that emergency response capability and mental health services are really important.
4: Housing and shelter are really critical and what that is gonna need to look like for every survivor is gonna be different.
1: Trafficking specific housing has been mostly non-existent in Nebraska, but that's changing restoration house in the Omaha area was one of a handful in development when we got a look inside. We're showing things that don't easily identify the house because traffickers want to find these places and the women living here. Common are stories of victims dropped off at shelters only to walk out the back door and ride away with their trafficker. Trafficking victims will stay here up to two years, surrounded by women who've gone through the same experience and treatment they need to recover.
4: We will bring in counselors also, uh, intense therapy, uh, group therapy, and be able to do it right here in the home. A survivor of trafficking has so many other components. And we feel that being together in, in one place with the same past, basically, it is going to make a huge difference in their healing.
1: Another challenge the Attorney General's Task Force is trying to address is what some have called a piecemeal system of help for trafficking victims.
7: It is difficult because there's not just like a checklist where if I find a victim of human trafficking I can go down and say, okay, I call this person and they're going to give them all of
1: these things.
5: It's absolutely piecemeal. Um, it's, It's really hard at this point because there's no best practice for serving survivors of trafficking.
1: As part of the task force effort, three Salvation Army trafficking specialists are now stationed throughout Nebraska to better connect victims with resources.
2: What they're doing is working and meeting with that survivor who calls or the service provider who calls and refers and talking about like big picture, what do you want to change, what do you want things to look like um, and then being the referral for the other providers.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for bags from Dallas, flight 448... There's some bags on Those fighting
1: 448. trafficking say the lack of awareness allows it to happen, especially in the Midwest, where many think trafficking only happens in faraway places. But in a small grassroots sort of way, awareness and interest is growing. From an art student creating a display of ceramic birds... Each of the
5: birds represents a victim of sex trafficking. There are 2,000 of them
1: to a week-long event for college students. We
3: are raising awareness for modern day slavery. We just want to shed light on the issue, um, bring awareness to it and kind of raise our voices.
7: Just after three short days of being trapped in this life, her mother couldn't even recognize her. It had changed her so
1: much. There's also an identified need for awareness and training for people who might see sex trafficking happening. Here, hotel workers.
7: Like in housekeeping, you might be in the room, see things like provocative clothing, sex toys, condoms, and an unusual collection or amount of those.
2: We uh, want them to know what are some signs and indicators that they can look for in the different areas where they work in their departments
1: and to know what to do and who to contact when they see something suspicious. The need for training like this goes beyond hotels. One study says 88% of victims have contact with a healthcare professional while they are being trafficked.
0: I have heard story after story from survivors of sex trafficking who have indicated that they encountered a law enforcement officer, or they encountered somebody in an emergency room or a clinic, or they encountered other people who they felt should have understood what was happening to them, but none of those people helped them.
1: Traffickers were driving Laura from Chicago to South Dakota when police pulled them over.
6: Officer, you know, says, oh, your tail light's out, needs
4: need to get it fixed. Just you know, letting you know.
6: Doesn't look over at me. That you know, my lips busted, black eye. look like you know I had been through the ringer.
7: We're still in negotiations about who's going to do the undercover. It won't be before nine. I don't think so.
1: Sergeant Ben Miller has set up a meeting with a woman he found on Backpage. Gotta text
7: her real quick.
1: Now he's in a race. Can Miller get everything in place for an undercover officer and team to go in and bust her before she turns him down for another customer?
7: I'm just telling her that I'm running late. She's a little iffy about waiting, so it might fall through. It's a little bit harder with the girls because they. I mean, there's a lot of them that do do some screening and stuff like that.
1: Um, Yeah, she's canceling. Miller says that's common in his fight against sex for sale. He's one of just a handful of Nebraska law enforcement officers with trafficking as a specific assignment, and in Miller's case, it's not all he does. A lot of his work is done here, in the wee hours of the night, trying to infiltrate Lincoln's commercial murder. sex industry. He's got a wealth of information, leads from street officers and crime stoppers, and phone numbers and messages from phones confiscated during arrests.
7: The first kind of thing that I'm looking for on this one was, you know, is there somebody that's controlling her, like a pimp or something like that, that's running her, um, and who is that person? You know, so you'll look at that, and or is this person giving them direction? Because now you can then make a case on that person potentially, you know, based on phone records.
1: You ordered an hour, right? Yeah. Okay. And, um, this man thinks he's buying sex, but he's about to get busted in a Lincoln police sting operation. Um, a few times a year, Miller and team post fake ads and set up in a hotel room with hidden cameras and undercover officers to lure buyers and sellers.
2: Um,
6: let me change,
2: um, but I'm not changing. So I know you have money.
1: This time, six men were arrested for soliciting prostitution. That same night, five women were arrested for prostitution. If
3: we do take it there, I don't do anything without protection. I don't do anal. There's no kicking.
1: Undercover stings aren't new. This operation did not end with trafficking charges or victim rescues. But Miller says that's a bigger focus than it used to be.
7: In the past, it was, let's go find the prostitute, arrest her, throw her in jail, done. Um, But now, I mean, we spend quite a bit of time really trying to talk to these individuals to try to find out, you know, really if they are a victim because, you know, under most circumstances, if you find a victim. They're not coming out immediately saying, yeah, I'm a victim, thanks for saving me.
1: There's hope that stings decrease demand, but penalties for buyers are minimal in Nebraska. The buyers sentenced for a solicitation of prostitution after this operation were fined $250 each. That's typical and less than some speeding tickets.
0: Certainly we have to do more with regard to buyers. We know that we want to really go after for the most serious, readily provable offense available not only the people we currently call sex traffickers, uh, but also the buyers and also entities, businesses, who both benefit from and also facilitate either annoyingly or with reckless disregard.
1: Counts two and three, you're charged with human trafficking. Those are class. Marquise Johnson of Lincoln picked up a woman in Arkansas and sold her out of a hotel near a Grand Island truck stop. He was convicted and sentenced to four years in prison for felony trafficking, but could be out after 15 months. Ramon Heredia got an 11-year federal sex trafficking sentence.
6: In my honest opinion, I believe that uh, then I, I got a lot less than I truly deserve, you know. And
1: often, there are no arrests, no prosecutions. For various reasons, no one faced trafficking charges for what happened to Rachel or Sakura or Laura. One reason, for a long time, trafficking wasn't understood. Victims often didn't realize what was happening to them. Outside help didn't exist.
5: Be comfortable hearing their story and believe what you're told, because quite frankly, You can't make most of these stories up.
1: Nebraska is getting serious about fighting sex trafficking. One example, several hundred service providers, law enforcement officers, healthcare workers and others attended extensive two-day regional training sessions put on by the state's trafficking task force.
3: It's gonna take a number of times meeting with that survivor and meeting that survivor where that survivor is. That's how you're gonna get to a more successful prosecution
1: but significant work remains.
5: The state prides itself so much in in being Nebraska nice that sometimes to confront our deepest, darkest secret is really hard to do. And that deep, dark secret is that human trafficking is alive and well. Once we start to realize
4: that this is happening, I think we can start to affect cultural change um, to stop it.
1: Rachel Pointer used to play here. She used to tell people her bruises came from sliding down this hill. She was lying. This was the first time Rachel returned to her old neighborhood to talk about what happened here, how she was raped and sold for sex for a decade.
2: This is a part of my history, and that's not gonna go away. That's not really gonna change. What I can change is our future, um, my future, and, and hope that somebody else doesn't have to be in this space, you know, experiencing what I experienced.
1: Sex trafficking stole Rachel's childhood, but she escaped, got a college degree, got married, and works with youth. She fights trafficking through the organization she started, the Free the People movement, and by telling her story.
2: And this is an issue that affects all of us. For us as survivors, as as victims, as former victims, however you want to label that, you know, we've come a long ways in the last few years, but we still have a long way to go, long way to go. Because
1: yeah, unfortunately, there's probably another six-year-old being sold someplace now.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.